Everyone's hype woman, Laura Brunton. Laura discusses everything parenting while building a business and the scars and trauma miscarriage has on you. Laura is such a positive person, an incredible business and leadership coach to some of the world's most successful businesswomen. And it was amazing to see another personal side to her. Remember to like, follow, to leave a review and to subscribe. And remember to tell at least one friend about this deep dive into the inner workings of a mama's thoughts, fears and truth. Right, enjoy! People say that it takes a village to bring up a child. But what do you do when village life is a thing of the past? You join Mama Social Corps. We are a parent organisation that creates support, events, activities and connection for real parents. Come join us on our weekly talk and walk sessions, play sessions and much more. Please join our community through our Instagram and Facebook page at Mama Social Co. Or join the socials by subscribing via our website at www.mamasocialco.com. .co.uk. You don't have to be isolated or alone. Come bridge the gap between nature, nurture and community. Hello Laura, how are you? Hello Kelly. I am absolutely fabulous my darling. How are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm still living the dream from the weekend. <laughs> but um, I'm just so happy to have you on um, and here to share with all, all the mamas that are listening out there your incredible story. So do you want to give us a little whistle stop tour for anybody who doesn't know who you are, so what you do, um, how many children you have, relationship mm. status, and just, yeah, the floor is yours. Thank you. Hello, everyone listening. I'm Laura Brinton, and I'm the founder of Totally You. So that means I am a coach and a mentor, I'm a consultant and I'm also a public speaker and I work with women in their businesses to achieve financial freedom. So I'm all about supporting and empowering women to have the most amazing business that they love, that they're really good at and that's impacting the world positively. I'm also a wife. I'm a wife to Jeff. So we've been together for 17 years now. I can't believe wow. it. And um, married for nine, I think. Yeah, he made me wait a little bit there, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Do and some graft got- first. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got three children. So we've got Alexander, who's it. Ellis, who is just gone five. And then I've got my little baby girl, Electra, who is 10 months. So life is full <laughs> it is nuts to be quite honest but amazing amazing and obviously we've got the northeast connection so from Sunderland originally and now live down in the southeast so we live in a gorgeous market town called Whitney without the H R.I.P. Whitney <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Oxfordshire so a lovely part of the world and yeah just feeling really lucky really blessed at the moment that everything is just coming together so well 
So what did, um, did you always want to have a family? I did. I'll be honest. It was, it was never a question for me. I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, I've got an amazing little sister. Well, not so little now, Jacqueline, and then a little brother, Stuart, who are all incredible. And I've, I've always had such a big heart, Kaylee, and very nurturing nature. I get all of that from my mum, who is the most incredible person ever like you'll have to meet her one day she gives the best bear hugs she's so tactile and touching like hey, Pat, how you doing and yeah everybody loves that even when she comes down here and she does a school run everybody's like when is your mom gonna adopt me can we just make this happen <laughs> so I'm so fortunate that I get my big heart from her and yeah I, I knew I wanted to have kids and I wanted three so thankfully have three um and then yeah I'm sure we'd get into it as I was growing up definitely wanted to be the whole career woman so I can remember thinking at 13 14 like I'll get married at this age I'll have my kids by this age blah 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 and in reality it's all being pushed a lot later but it's all worked out really well mm. so yeah definitely knew I always wanted to be a mummy so what was your childhood like growing up then oh interesting question Overall, it was amazing. I am and was so loved. I've uh, got the best mom in the world. Love my siblings. Love my dads. Mom and dad split up when I was quite young, which was challenging, as anybody knows, obviously, who's a child of divorce. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a bed of roses from that perspective. Quite settling and we grew up in a council home on a council estate money was always tight um so whilst I don't want to get the violin out I know what it's like to grow up without anything physical and do you know what I mean not be able to go on holiday I didn't go on a plane until I was in my very late teens but equally I didn't want for love so I'm very, very fortunate in that from my mum's perspective. My mum gave up work when she had me. She knew she wanted to stay at home and have more children and bring us up. So I had that absolute security of knowing she was always at home. So I never had a key, didn't have to worry about that. But then obviously, full disclosure, the reality was... Am I allowed to swear or not? 1,000%. I should have clarified that at the beginning. <laughs> like, it was shit. It was shit. Not having money to go places. Like, we, it all sounds first world problems. Didn't get takeaways and stuff. Like, just, just little things that are the norm now and that my kids wouldn't know any different. Um, So, yeah, I think definitely what is a huge part of my DNA and what drives me is not ever wanting to be skint again and I don't wish to embarrass my mum in any way and I'm sure there's a lot of parents and mums listening to this who've experienced it as well but just like even when you used to go to the shops and oh is there enough money in my mum's purse is a card going to get declined like that level that low level of constant I don't know if it's stress anxiety around we always knew what we couldn't do because we didn't have the money um so we would walk everywhere like 
both of my parents still don't drive and never had a car. So we would bus places or we would walk places. But we were so lucky. We had parks on our doorstep. Obviously, we live next to the coast, so we could go to the beach. So we had beautiful, amazing memories. But a little bit for me was tinged with that awareness of lack of, and what we didn't have. And just we never asked for toys when we went in shops. Like my mum said, we were always so good. We never like inadvertently made I feel crap for the fact that we didn't have the latest things here or we didn't have the latest things there because we weren't used to it so we never really knew what we were missing but as you know it can be quite brutal when you get into school can't you and then you've got the other kids who have got like the Nike trainers and the at the time like the Kappa tracksuits and the Nike tracksuits and stuff um but yeah had a great childhood remember and was so fortunate that we were the kids that could play until the street lights came on and playing like kick the can and Nicky Nucky Nine doors and um loved being the oldest of three. Always had like my siblings at home with me, always had loads of friends and enjoyed I was like the swat at school. I was always like the geek who loved reading, but I was always so sporty as well. So like loved being in the netball team and came onto the basketball team and tennis and all of that good stuff. So busy, full, vibrant childhood. And full of love all. by the sound of it. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I did not want for one ounce of love. And my mum is just my hero. And she's influenced my parenting style so much, which I'm sure we'll get into. But genuinely, just so, so grateful for that and having such an incredible person who raised us. Was there any um, memory that really sticks with you as a child that you think has influenced your your parent or how you want to live your life? I think with my mum, she was always so positive and so encouraging and we could always come to her with problems and we'd sit down and we'd be like, right, well, what can we do about it? So do you know if I was getting bullied at school, she'd be like, right, well, what do you think you can do about it? Let's figure out what our options are. And so I always felt like I could talk to her about anything. And I really hope that it's the same for me kids. And what I try and do with my kids, almost speak to them like mini adults so that they know they've got autonomy and they've got freedom and I'm not going to tell them what to do all the time like don't get me wrong I do <laughs> but there's sometimes where I'll answer their questions with a question and I'll be like oh well what do you think darling or what do you think your options are I really want to give them that skill and ability so that they know I don't even think it's a word everything is figureoutable and that they've always got options and they've always got choices and what I really go on deep on with my kids is around mindset and growth mindset and the importance of being kind and the importance of knowing that even if you haven't got full choice over things like at school, you have to go to these lessons, you have to do this at home, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's always about choosing what your frame of mind is and what your mindset is. And there's some things we just have to suck up. Some things are essential, but just crap on. So, yep, have a little moan about it, but let's not channel our energy into wasting time and being negative about stuff. It's like concentrating on the stuff that you can change. 
and then also just being so grateful for all of the opportunities that the kids have now got because of the investments and the decisions that Jeff and I have made over the years yeah where is your mindset come from then were you built like this is it something that's organically happened or was there a trigger point Mm, very good question I think it's a mixture of nature and nurture so my dad is super bright and very ambitious I mean he was the oldest of a of a lot of kids again growing up in challenging times in the northeast um and he was so clever he got to go to grammar school and but the challenges he had was then supporting these younger brothers and sisters so that didn't all work out in the end he had to come out of grammar school so he is super bright I remember being little um <laughs> we, we used to like go down to Sainsbury's and he used to read the financial times in the shop <laughs> we didn't buy the paper but he was so smart he was looking at all the stocks and share prices and what was going on um so my dad is still super clever and well-read knowledgeable about a lot of things and I would love being tested by him. So I still remember like going out for walks and be like, right, what's the capital of this country? Capital of this country? Or throwing maths questions at us. And my oldest boy is exactly the same. He loves being asked questions. So I definitely think, and my mum's obviously clever as well. I've got a lot of the intellect and drive, I think, of my dad. And then I think the heart side is complemented by my mum. But I have always been the words I kept in mind was a bit of a super freak. I don't think that's the right words, Laura, be kind. I've always been really driven where I had that insatiable hunger for knowledge, always curious, loved knowing how things worked. Even as a young child, loved talking with adults, loved getting to know people. Um, I was like literally friends with my teachers where I would do the hair after school and sometimes another one would drop me off after PE. I've just loved always being able to talk with anybody and again I get that from your mum so I think it's a mixture Kelly, of the stuff that I've inherited through my DNA and also the way that I was raised but I, I, I know more so than ever at the grand age of 40 who I am and what my values are what my strengths are what I stand for as a person and I couldn't always articulate that growing up but I had a real sense of self and no, so I remember one of my memories was standing in the back garden and I remember seeing a plane going overhead, looking at a beautiful blue sky. And I remember looking at that and thinking, I wonder where I'm going to end up in the world. I knew that I would leave home. I knew I would leave the Northeast. I remember looking at the map when the weather would come on in the nighttime and like looking at all the different parts of the UK and thinking, oh, I wonder where I'll go, I wonder where I'll end up, the people that I'll meet. I used to think it was so fascinating to think that there's just millions and billions of people out there in the world living their lives in different countries. And I was like, oh, I want to get out and see the world and do all of the things and meet all of the people. So that's always been in me. And thank God I've been able to make a lot of that happen. Do you think that's because of the circumstances you were living in with the low income, the not being able to do certain things, activities. So you might have saw other children at school yeah. and they thought how this place represents this. Maybe if I move somewhere else, I can achieve that. 
Do you think that had anything to do with it? 100%. I think it was a massive driver. And I think we all know stuff that happens in our childhood. If you if you take a simplistic approach, you either run towards it or you run away from it. So you either like conform or you rebel, don't you? And you think that's absolutely what I don't in my life. So I knew, luckily, because I worked hard and because I was bright, that I could achieve things and I could achieve anything I put my mind to. So I knew that if I wanted to get out and make that life happen, I knew it was within me gift. I didn't know what it looked like exactly. And I didn't know like what the job title was, but I always could visualize being able to go into the shop and like get my card out and not worry about it being declined or being able to treat the kids to like a McDonald's or something, just, just little things. So, I, yeah, it definitely put that fire in my belly. But I think also when, I mean, I'm biased. I think when you're from the Northeast as well, you just have that grit. You have that resilience in you and that hard work ethic. Like my granddad's, do you know what I mean? We're, one of them worked down the mile. mile. I can't speak, sorry. <laughs> Try that again. With my granddad's, one of them worked down the mine. Another one was a shipbuilder. And I think that hard work and grit of knowing that if you want something you can go out there and make it happen it's definitely carried down over the generations as well can you see any similarities between your parent style and your mother's parent style yes and no so yes in the way that I really hope my kids know that I love them to death we're such an open family I tell them all the time, multiple times a day. I love you so much. Do you know how much I love you? You're amazing. You're incredible. So really open from that communication um, and love perspective. I love squeezing them and kissing them and touching them. And it's getting so hard with the um with my oldest now because I'm like, oh, can mommy have a kiss? And he'll just lean forward and I get a little bit of forehead that I'm in the kiss. So I'm like, come here, give me a bear hug. Um, love all of the cuddles like we're a very open family tactile uh, yes 100% 100% um, so yeah get that a lot then the other sides that I almost rebel and run away from is I knew that I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom and you know that I'm not thrown any shade at all that anybody here is like women are just incredible whatever they choose I knew well I didn't know until I had the kids but I suspected that I didn't want to stay at home so I think I'm a better person and I'm a better mom when sometimes I am selfish I know it's not necessarily a popular opinion I want a career I really enjoy that I'm also Laura, as well as being mummy, as well as being a wife, a sister, a daughter, a best friend. I'm cool with being all these different people to different people. I'm okay with that. And I want for my children to know that, especially for women, that they can choose to be whoever they want. I feel like in today's society, in our generation, we are so fortunate because of the sacrifices and the hard work that our mums made, our nanas made, our great grandmas over the years with votes and 
working so hard and going against the grain that we've got choice and we literally can do whatever we want to do now. Now with that comes a level of challenge and responsibility because yeah, we can do all of the things, but actually can we do all of the things? Like there's an actual reality about kids still need feeding, do you know what I mean? Still need to be clean and done. It's hugely dependent on, are you single? What's your partner like? And I've always been so lucky in with Jeff. And I say lucky because he, he's bloody amazing. Honestly, he, he broke the mould when he was made and born. But I've always been so clear and so honest up front that I'm not the kind of woman where I'm going to be in the kitchen. Like, I love eating. I can eat for England. <laughs> but I don't enjoy cooking. I don't enjoy bacon. Like, I'll do it with the kids. I'll do it if he's not in and we're going to starve. But... I've never been the type where we, we both know what each other's strengths are and then we play to that and we work our house around it and we're really supportive of each other as well. So he's incredible in that he's not intimidated by the fact that, you know what I mean, he's got a wife who like, is a career woman, who is ambitious, who, um, do you know what I mean, might be the main breadwinner. He's so supportive of that. And I think what where we were so lucky is that throughout all of the pregnancies and all of the kids, we've been able to talk really honestly about what each other wants. And we haven't always been on the same page. So sometimes, as you know, in any marriage and relationship, you have to compromise. But I feel really blessed with Jeff that I've never lost myself um, to him and the kids. We're, we're in it together we are a real team and we know that as parents if we're happy in ourselves we're naturally going to be better parents and we also know that we are the only ones that's responsible for our happiness so it's not Jeff's responsibility to make me happy and vice versa like we need to take that on ourselves do the work so I'm such like a self-development junkie Love a good podcast, obviously like this one. Love blogs, reading. I've got so many books around me right now. Most of them half-read, I'll be, I'll be honest. Constantly learning, right, how can I do this differently? Oh, that's a really interesting perspective. Oh, wow, that's a cool hack. Yeah, I'm going to give that one a go. So we're always committed to how can we be the best people that we can be for us. Us as in, like, for me, for him, for us as a team, as a man and wife. And then also for our children as well, so that our kids know when they get older, they want people in their lives, but they're not dependent on them to make them happy. Like they can carry that in their hearts wherever they go in the world and know that being with somebody else is a beautiful, beautiful thing that you can choose to do. You don't have to do it. I love that. Love it. It's hit me in all the fields, Laura. <laughs> um, so what was your pregnancies like then with the three? Were they all the same or were they completely different? Um, broadly the same. So look, with Alex, uh, we started trying literally a few months after we got married. So lucky, fell pregnant straight away, textbook pregnancy. Um, he was a week late, hard labour. I think a lot of people's first labour is, isn't it? Where 
can anything prepare you for your first labour? I'd done all the classes, I'd done the NCTs, I'd read the books, I'd done like the visualisations. And then it comes to it and your body just takes over and you're like, oh. yeah, that was, that was hard. That was really hard because I've, I've always been in my heart, but in my head as well, being able to think my way out of situations and like logically process stuff. But as you know, when you're in labour, it's just you and your body, isn't it? Like it's going to happen. So Don't even that... think it's you. Some of the time, I think it's just the body. Mm-hmm. I think right. it. Take I over. think it's just yeah. There was moments where I had no control whatsoever, and I was being told to stop something, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not actually doing that. That ain't me. Yeah. Kaylee yeah. wants all of yeah. this to stop. So yeah. this is all the body. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. And with Alexander, I remember I literally locked myself in the shower on the on the birthing mode because he was taking so long to come out. I was getting freaked out. And I was like, right, I like water. I like showers. I turned the lights off. Luckily, Jeff was in with me. I locked the door. And the midwives were, like, banging on the door. And I was like, don't let them in. Don't let them in. Right, can you catch the baby? Like, I, I just, I lost it. I was like, right, I just need to just, just get away and hunker down. So, yeah, that, it was pretty horrific with him. And then I had to go. Hold on. Straightness. Let's strip yeah. that back. Okay. So, so you did you give birth alone with Jeff in the shower? Didn't. No, okay. no. Bless that poor man. Honestly, I swear he's got, and I don't make light of it, I swear he's got PTSD from definitely the first two labours. Um, no, bless him. He let the midwives in. Then I came out. Then I had to call in more midwives because it was getting to the point where it was like Alex was almost so far out but I was just I was trying to run from it I couldn't because the pain was so intense had no epidural or anything first baby and I was terrified and I think the adrenaline was kicking in and I was probably stopping them from coming out because I was almost trying to run away um so yeah luckily they got extra midwives in and then I think I responded to the different energy where this midwife came in and she literally looked me in the eyes like I was butt naked screaming and she was like Laura this baby needs to come out. Do you know what I mean? Stop fighting and let the baby come out. And I think I really responded to that energy where it was a change up. And she was basically like, you need to sort your shit out. This baby's going to be in trouble. The baby needs to come out. And from that point, I remember I had like, Jeff was holding me up under my um, arms. I had a midwife each side and then one <laughs> down below. And I literally just had to like bear down so he could could come out. Yeah, and then oh, then I had to get rushed, rushed into surgery. I lost so much blood, and it was horrific those first few hours. Where oh god, I'm gonna cry. I remember getting wheeled into surgery, and Jeff had Alexander on his chest, and I remember I was saying to him, "Take your top off, like get skin on skin with him, just go and sit somewhere and cuddle him." And I was like, "I love you so much, like you're gonna be fine," because like literally there was so much blood, and I remember just thinking. Okay, is this normal? And he was just white at that point, thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose my wife. I've got this newborn baby. What the hell am I going to do? Um, yeah, so that was hard. And then afterwards, going back onto the ward, and then he got sent home. And I remember being in the bed, like all wired up to the drip. Alex was crying in his cot. I literally couldn't even pick him up because I, I couldn't get over and move my wrist with a drip. 
I remember the midwife came in because the mom, bless her, she was she didn't know any of this. She was back on Sunday. She couldn't get hold of Jeff. She couldn't get hold of me. And she rang the ward and they brought the phone in and they were like, oh, your mum, your mum's on the phone. Can you speak to her? And I remember I was just crying and I thought, I can't. I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> I was like, I can't speak to her because I'm going to freak her out. She's going to be so scared. So I remember just saying, please just tell her, I'm absolutely fine. I'm okay. I'll give her a ring when Jeff comes back. Um, Because I just didn't have the words. I just didn't know how to how to explain it all you've gone from thinking you're going to have this labor that you've got control over to it's taken over you and then yeah I remember like with with breastfeeding and stuff and oh my god I'm TMI I'm going to overshare so much Mm -hmm. I I remember the midwife coming in and literally like milking me to get the colostrum out and oh my god I was in hospital for a good few days didn't expect that. I had no concept around the fact that you go on a busy ward. And it's because nobody else. talks about it, Laura. No, We're just expected not. to birth and then Mother Earth and then you're out. Like mm-hmm. nobody talks about, I remember being milked like a cow, like, but nobody's <laughs> telling you that. So right. it this so is right. this is the point of it. So yeah, it's absolutely incredible for you to share that. So after after that what uh, how was everything fine with the the um loss of blood was it everything good there yeah so I had to have um iron transfusions so I just and I can't remember the exact exact stats but I remember my iron went down so low do you know when they come around and you get checks by the doctors and stuff the doctor was looking at me and she was like can't believe this is you because with these iron levels like you should always be at death's door but me being me I was still like how are you doing like literally shaking hands with the doctor who does that like <laughs> chatting with the other man still like high energy <laughs> she, she was like I'm going to do the get the tests again I'm not sure if you've got some of these tests so that was hard being in hospital much longer than I expected not being able to sleep I was petrified I couldn't and wouldn't sleep I was so scared in case he stopped breathing or I want I like I brought them in bed with me to cuddle in and then I should know the midwife's like no you can't have them in bed with you you've got to to make sure that they're safe put them back in his cot kind of thing it was savage not not having Jeff there through the night as well and at least at least I had my phone do you know what I mean so I could text people like god all those moms who have done it over the years where they've just been left by themselves so yeah unexpected it was hard then coming back home because then you're on your own aren't you um and all my family's up north but obviously my mom came down and Jeff's mom and dad came down but it is just you in the middle of the night and again Jeff had to help me like he got me done with the milk and I had loads of those can you remember the little um syringes that you get where mm-hmm. you've got I still remember like vividly all with so many of those um what they're called Kelly it's just a syringe I got them yeah yeah, for gestational diabetes I had a seven days before I got induced I had to milk myself and try and pull the colostrum into these and I had seven tiny little vials of gold liquid 
um, that as soon as Freddie came out, the pump straight in him, so he didn't go into um, a hypo or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just little syringes. Yeah, so I remember that, and I remember crying and trying to feed him, and he just, he wouldn't go on. Then he was tongue-tied, which obviously I didn't have a clue about. I didn't know what this whole tongue-tied malarkey was about. Went and went to um, some local clinics to try and get help breastfeeding. And the long and short of it was, it didn't work. And the failure that I felt and the judgment that I passed on myself was unreal. I would never speak to anybody the way that I spoke to myself during that time mentally. And then again, for me, I was just like, well, it's not an option. He's having breast milk. So started off with the hand pump. And then luckily with health visitors realised you could get um, an electric pump was able to hire one from the health visitors and I got to the point where it was hilarious. I got the, realized there was a bra that can hold up the breast pumps. So you were hands-free. So I was filling two of these bottles, sometimes doubling up because when I had the pump on, I was like, oh, well, I may as well crack on. So it was expressing, then feeding him the bottle of express milk. And then having to express again before his next bottle was due until I had a supply built up. So those first few months were just a blur of sleepless nights. I remember at one point, I'll laugh when I think about it, but with Jeff and I, we even did a spreadsheet where we were like, right, this is what time he had a feed. This is how many ounces he had. Because it was all a blur and we couldn't remember, right, what time did he feed? How much did he have? So, yeah, Crazy, but at the same time, the best of times because I was a mum for the first time and I did enjoy those newborn cuddles. But definitely tried to do too much. Wanted the house to be perfect. I don't know if anybody else experiences this, but went through a phase of literally didn't ha have a cup of tea out on the side. It was like spotless. I think it was all my way of control, control. Like you can, I can make the house beautiful was desperate for Jeff to come home when he went back to work. Like, if he wasn't back by quarter past five, I was literally like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in the car, don't worry, I'm coming back. It's his drive, his commute was 45 minutes. And then with the other pregnancies, thankfully got better in, in between the kids. I miscarried a few times with all of the kids. So there's like roughly a three and a half, four year gap between all of them which wouldn't have been the case had the pregnancies have been successful. So that's heartbreaking. Um, like the first time I miscarried, I got to, it was a, um, we should probably put a trigger warning on this, shouldn't we? <laughs> got to, um, a few days before my 12-week scan. We were down in Cornwall in St. Ives, having the best time, little baby moon. And yeah, then started bleeding, miscarried. That was horrendous. Um, because they didn't want to do any scans because I was a holiday maker as they said but I literally camped in at the hospital and I was like I'm not leaving here I need to know today am I pregnant am I not pregnant so we spent the whole one Saturday the whole day at the hospital down there that had the scan and um, yeah the pregnancy failed there's just a lot of tissue and stuff and then obviously had to pass all of that Oh, so, yeah. Could I ask a question? 
Yeah. Now, you don't have to answer this. This could be too far. But because I've never had a miscarriage, I'm very, very lucky with that. And for the parents out there that are going through that, what is the the time scale of things? So from bleeding to how does it pass? Like, do you take tablets? Do you, what is that process? I think it's different for every woman dependent on the pregnancy, how far along she is, um, how far the baby is or not. So at some point with our first one, the baby had stopped growing. So even though hormonally, whenever I was having my bloods taken, it was still showing up that I was pregnant. Um, so what had happened for me, Jeff was actually away at work on the Friday. So I picked him up and I'd started spotting really lightly. So I Googled it and everything, and most of it was, yeah, completely normal to spot during pregnancy. And it was so light. I was like, okay, um, we'll see what happens. And I'd have really bad morning sickness. And I remember when I picked him up, I said to him, oh, I don't even feel pregnant. Like, I feel really good. As in, like, everybody has different symptoms, but you know what it's like, especially in those early days of morning sickness, you just feel like hell, don't you? You don't feel yourself can't lift your head and I just felt like the old me um so yeah just I took um I don't know if it's blue notes for everybody in Oxfordshire when you get your 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 pregnancy folder with all your stuff I took that on holiday just in case um still just spotting really lightly and then I got to the Saturday morning and it was getting heavier so we were googling hospitals just in case um yeah I will warn people Oh, yeah I will I will share with people because if it helps one person I'm happy to do it but this this bit's a bit gory so skip on if anybody doesn't want to listen and then I remember saying well we'll just keep an eye on it if nothing changes I'll go to the doctors when I get back and I got it from the city and then it was literally just like a gush and I looked down I like I cried over Jeff and I remember thinking expecting it to be blood but it wasn't it was clear so I think it was just like the the fluid mm-hmm. um around the baby and then quickly that turned into blood so we were ringing the hospital and they said come in and it was awful like I literally had to use one of Alex's nappies and I just I knew in that moment I thought nah there's no way you can have this much blood and it was a clear liquid that threw me and so we drove to the hospital had um like she felt my tummy and then she examined me she was like yeah we can see that the cervix is open a little bit but we're sure it's okay and I was just like no you're just your intuition I just thought it, it can't be it can't be not with that amount of blood and liquid and stuff um yeah so eventually got a scan this lovely consultant stayed on after a really busy day and he said I'm so sorry like the baby's passed there's just there was just a lot of tissue everywhere so there was no like fetus as such um I can't even remember what options they gave us they probably did give me an option as to whether or not to induce it a bit more with tablets but I think because I'd already started like bleeding and passing fluids I just wanted nature to take its course. I didn't want to go in and have anything happen. Um, so, yeah, just over the next few days, just bled quite a lot. I had to go to the hospital again, get some more bloods taken so they could see. 
can't remember what the exact hormone is. I don't know if it's estrogen or something else. Apologies. Um, but they could see that it was then starting to drop. So they knew that um, my body was adjusting. And then it was just sad. We hadn't told lots of people, but we told our family. It was heartbreaking for them. It was horrible. I remember my sister crying her eyes out when I told her. And like it was Jeff's parents' anniversary. So we didn't tell him that night. Do you know what I mean? We wanted them to go out and have a lovely meal and then have to share it with them the next day. Um, and I think I bled for about six weeks. Wow. Which I think, looking back, probably wasn't normal. I think I went in for another scan. And they were saying that they could see it reduced significantly. But yeah, that was, it was awful. Because it's, you know, every time you go to the toilet, obviously you see it. And it was just a constant reminder and then you get scared thinking is this normal am I going to be able to have more kids it was so textbook with Alexander we were so fortunate um and ha had you not told Alex then no he was so little I can't even remember exactly how old he was he was a toddler like maybe 18 months or so um so no luckily he was so little he didn't really have a clue bless him and then we tried again took a bit longer fell pregnant again and then it was much earlier this time. It was, I think it was about six weeks in. Started bleeding again. And obviously I was gutted. But it's mad you get quite matter of fact about it as well. I, I think it must be your body's fear of just processing it and not losing your mind a bit. And you always think about like the birthdays, how old they would be. So yeah, you never, um, you never forget, and you never take every pregnancy for granted. There's always when you, I think when you've had one miscarriage, there's always that fear in your mind that, oh well, I got to whatever eleven weeks last time, or I got to six weeks last time. So it's all it's always tough where you can't take it for granted. But I know that I'm so fortunate. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, as a as a mum of three. So I'm really, my heart goes out to everybody who's trying for kids and who's suffered miscarriages and fertility issues and so on. It, it never leaves you. You do always think about it. You beat yourself up, or I did anyway. I can only really speak for me. Why do you think, what went wrong? Like, why did my body let me down? But you know what? I, I wouldn't have the three kids that I've got now that it would be different and for whatever reason it was my body's way of saying there was something wrong and taking care of it in the way that our bodies do so yeah wow sorry <laughs> I didn't expect all of that <laughs> yeah so incredibly grateful and I guess to finish off your question so after getting, so for, for then the, our two other babies and each time around we would get the early scans just for we were fortunate mm -hmm. enough we could go private and, and pay to get the early scans. So we, we knew with the other two when there were hopefully going to be successful pregnancies. Right, okay. Still until you've got that baby in your arms, don't quite trust that um, nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully it all worked out well in the end. Well, I'm giving you a big fat virtual. I'm taking a bit, I'm receiving. 
What's your biggest regret as a parent and what did you learn from it? Oh, biggest regret as a parent. Well, I struggle to think, do I have regrets? Mm-hmm. In the sense of, I think we learn from everything. Mm-hmm. Could, I, could I, would I have done things differently? Yes. But I don't think there's anything huge that springs to mind. It's more the in-the-moment things, don't you snap at them? Mm-hmm. Or... Daddy does bedtime again tonight because I'm feeding Electra. So Daddy's like putting the boys to bed again, and I'm like, oh, really? I should swap. I should. So there's there's lots of daily things where I think you could have done that better. I wish I could have done that better. But I try not to get too bogged down with it because I just think, right, I'll do better with the next hug. I'll do better in the next moment. And I also think. I'm human. I'm not perfect. Do you know what I mean? We're juggling a business, three young kids. We've got no family around us. There's a lot going on. I think I would. There's sometimes I wish mobile phones didn't exist. <laughs> it's not. It's not an option. I've been lucky. I've been able to build my business by having a mobile phone, and I can reach out to anyone anywhere around the world so I love it but I think that gets a lot more of my time than it should and that I want to so I I think regrets or things that I've got to do differently is putting my phone away more so I literally I turn it off and I like I hide it in the food cupboard or I'll say to Jeff sometimes hide it so I can't get to it it's like an addict Mm-hmm. but how many of us feel the same and, and our phones are designed to be highly addictive all of the apps that we use we get those dopamine hits the same as what gamblers um, and alcoholics get when we get the likes the shares the reactions so I, I do want to be more present and in the moment with them where I am focused on them I'm equally realistic to know that that can't happen all of the time and for prolonged periods because so much of our life is on our phones now isn't it from banking to texting our moms to whatever booking stuff classes and all the rest of it and especially when you've got a business online Mm -hmm. if you had a tradition like when I had my traditional job you know it was very easy to separate mom life and work life whereas now it's all blurred into one so I'm really trying to find that differentiation and mm-hmm. you know especially now Eva's 16 months and she'll pick up your phone and she starts doing this with her fingers swiping up and I'm like oh my god that is total learned behavior yeah. like I, I hate that like yeah. I need to put that phone away when she's around because she's just soaking it all in yeah yeah and, and I think sometimes I was having a conversation with a great client yesterday equally don't be so hard on yourself like if you think about our mom's generation and so on really the only distraction was like the telly or the phone ringing wasn't it whereas now we're on all the time we're accessible all of the time but then equally it works for us and that we can work a lot of us anyway depending on what your job is or business you can fit all of that in so there's so many positives to it and and whether we like it or not technology is going to be a huge part of our kids lives so I think it's about trying to 
be aware and recognize when it's tipping over into the point of being like another person in the room that's taking your mom's attention or your dad's attention and I, I don't want the kids to think that the phone gets priority over them also sometimes I'm like look mommy does just need to finish this off I need to do this I need to do that but being able to do that it means I can do the school run with them twice a day I choose to do that I'm literally talking to you now from your sitting room and I'm so lucky I've got clients around the world like literally Canada America Australia in the UK where I just wouldn't be able to have grown my business in the way that I did if I didn't have technology so I think it's, I think it's a watch out of being mindful about how often it's out and why I'm using it because I love taking pictures of them as well of course mm. we do as parents like it's it's do you want actually shall I check do you want to know how many pictures I've got at the moment how many yeah 87,870. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. 87,880. Wow. Oh. So I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm a big fan of the, the pictures, but equally try not to like <laughs> the phones in the faces too much. Um. So yeah, I think in summary, no huge regrets. I mean, we literally, when, after we had Ellis, our middle one, when he was eight and a half months, we got on a plane and moved to Australia for 14 months wow why was that I I'd been able to sort out a placement there with my old company I get to the point in all of my pregnancies where it gets to around the 12 13 week stage and you know when things settle down a little bit and you start to get in a bit of a groove and you still obviously you've got the whole tiredness and you're adjusting and this is obviously my journey I'm not making assumptions about everybody else but that's a point where my brain gets super active and it's like what's next what's next you've got like you need a project you need to be doing something with Alexander my first one I ended up selling my skincare products with my second one I was like I want to move somewhere else I want us to live in a different country let's go for it nearly gave Jeff a heart attack a few times it was hard obviously taking away the grandkids and oh yeah that that was all tough but I'm so proud we made it happen like we got on that plane, I think Ellis was um, eight and a half, Alexander was four. We didn't know anybody. We didn't even have a place sorted. But I just trusted that I knew it was going to be the most fantastic experience. And it was, it was brilliant. We were in Bondi in Sydney. We were a seven minute walk from the beach. Jeff had taken a sabbatical from his job, shared some of my um, parental leave. So he was at home with the kids. Alexander started kindergarten and then he went to Bondi Public for six months. It, it was mind-blowing. And I think that experience got me hooked in realising how much power and choice we actually do have in our lives. If we, if we listen to the stories that we're telling ourselves and we become aware about, well, what's fact, what's fiction, what can change what's a belief what would happen if we took a little bit of action to move something forward I would I, when I used to play when we used to play in the park and people would obviously hear the accent realize we weren't um Aussies and they'd be like oh yeah what does your husband do automatically would assume that it was through Jeff's job that got us there and I was like oh well actually it's my job a little chuffy on there <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm committed to as a woman and a mum, 
still following my dreams because I think they're not only beneficial for me, but my family benefits from it as well. And I think it's so important for mums and for parents. It's not to lose yourself along the way. We all we all go through it, but just try and take that time, even if it's just one minute every day, just check in with yourself. Like, what do I want? And yeah, of course we put the kids first, but I'm all about how can we add in ands instead of os. So how can we do this and do this? How can we still be a great parent and have a career? And I'm navigating it every single day. I don't always get it right. I definitely feel like completely ignited and lit up by this whole mission and vision so that women can choose. Women can choose what they want. And I didn't have a clue about all of this whole online space, entrepreneurship, having your own business. For me, when I was growing up, I wanted to wear a suit and heels. I wanted to have the fancy car. I wanted to have like the nice house that was mine. I didn't have a clue that you could make money, make good money by being yourself. And by looking at what's out there and thinking, do you know what? I want to have a go of that. I'm, I'm going to make that work. When we joke on, obviously everybody knows the expression, what's the worst that can happen? But in our family, we say, well, what's the best that can happen? And we always know nothing's ever permanent. We did the whole Australia thing. Ideally, we'd, we would have still been out there. It was a year's placement, but we could have stayed longer. But then the business started shutting down, so we had to come back. That was devastating. I got such a taste of that beautiful Aussie lifestyle. But that was one door closing so that another door opened. And I started my coaching business while I was still working. And then COVID hit. And obviously, would we rather COVID had never happened? Of course. And I don't want to be insensitive. God, all the pain and the deaths and the illnesses. Oh, so hard also I think it's woken the world up in a lot of ways I think there's opportunities there that weren't there before I think for parents with flexible working with being able to work from home with a lot of smart businesses anyway knowing that they have to be creative and flexible to keep the best people and that the old school model of like presentism having to be desk nine to five obviously it's still raging and alive and well in some industries and obviously in some industries where you have to go out to work um so obviously in the public sector and fantastic people in hospitality and manufacturing and all the rest amazing so grateful for them i when i so i hit burnout in covid as i think a lot of us did when we were trying to juggle we were trying to do the home school and the joe wicks the lessons and i was getting more and more work than ever no pay rise, no job title. But because I was so ambitious and I was like, this is my time to shine. Yes, give me all the work. I can do it all. I'm superwoman. And that just got really ugly. 16, 18 hour days at the laptop. <laughs> Smashing whatever Cadbury's I could get in me. <laughs> like nightly gins. <laughs> um, just that blur between 
reality and having no boundaries, no separation between work and home. That was one of the darkest points for me where I felt so anxious. I was waking up during the night, terrified I'd miss something. I had a notepad by the bed. I need to remember this, need to remember that. Got this presentation to the board. Need to pitch on this. Might need to have a conversation with a team member about that. And then me poor little kids. Mammy, will you play with me? Mammy, will you do this? Oh, just one minute. I'll come back. Yeah, just hang on. Mammy's working. Jeff, can you do... Oh, like when I think back now, it actually, so I say that would be a regret now that I think about it. To come back to your question. I wish I hadn't given so much to my job and that business I wish I'd been firmer on my boundaries um, but I think I had to hit rock bottom to be able to know that something needed to change so I'm still grateful that it happened overall and that's led me this whole different path where I'm now the boss I'll get to decide what my job title is. I'll get to give myself a pay rise. I choose what hours I work. I choose who I work with and who I don't work with. It's like this whole other world just exploded. And I'm here for all of it. It's bloody amazing. And this is what I'd love for all of the women and oh, dads, parents out there. My husband, he took voluntary redundancy, so we're working in the business together. And we feel like we've just broken free from the matrix and we're like do you know what yeah we can't go away this weekend like we're gonna go to center parks gonna be a bit naughty take the kids out of school like the experience they'll have from doing that the swimming the walks out at night time the tree climbing the whole shebang we're going to be present with them and the hard work and the decisions that we've made lead us to these points where we get to choose and that's what I'm so fiercely, fiercely passionate and protective of. We get to choose. I love that. I'm loving all of it. Have you got a big, what was your biggest misunderstanding as a mother before you were a mother? So was there anything that you were like, I will never let the kids do this? Oh, yeah, loads. Oh, God, yeah, of course. My kids will never have iPads. My kids will only eat healthy. They won't be having beige food. Um, my kids will do what I say. <laughs> oh, my word. It's funny because this is a bone of contention with my brother, who I love to death. He's out there in New York, living his best life, got his own business, bachelor. And bless him, when he's around the kids, so my sister's got a little boy as well, Luke, who's absolutely amazing. He's like, well, come on, you tell them to do something and they do it. And I'm like, bro, it doesn't work like that. They're not robots. They don't respond to our commands. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been totally judgy 
of like I don't know if you would see kids having tantrums and stuff like almost like oh god get a grip do you know what I mean that's embarrassing your kids going off on one and now as soon as you become a parent you're like I get it now so you're so much kinder aren't you and you help like how lovely is it the little bonding moments you have with other mums and other parents where you just lock eyes sometimes in the middle of a tantrum or whatever and you just know don't you? you get it you're in there together I think that's a beautiful thing about parenthood when people are honest and, and vulnerable and I think with people like you Kelly, as well like you're leading the way for me and being such a role model like this podcast everything that you're doing with um mama social and convention you're making it real and that's what people want at the end of the day there's such a risk of with social media people only showing you what they want to show you and it's so important to dig beneath that and like scratch the surface and go no our houses don't always look like like home shows and perfect like from what you see you don't see all of the crap under the desk like I'm not going to train us right now books <laughs> on the floor uh, literally underpants clean I hope but you know I don't actually know that there's loads of shit that you don't see under my desk at the moment and I think it's a beautiful thing where there's people like you um like Jessica Jones the fat funny one mother pucker um pregnant then screwed all of these incredible women and dads who were like no this is the reality so it's, it's recently been world's mental health day had a full plan to do like posts and awareness but actually i've got my little baby girl at home i have client meetings i was juggling she missed a nap she's teething she was demented i just did this one um insta story where i'm like talking to the camera telling them that I had all of these plans. She literally rips my glasses off my face. <laughs> Just carry on. I'm like, yeah, well, I can't put you down. It is what it is. And so many people message me saying, thank you for doing that. Because I'm so conscious. There's a wider discussion around mental health and all of the different variations of that. A lot that you speak about publicly, which is amazing, ADHD, um, autism, all, all of that which is so needed for me it's also just the everyday moments of thinking that you don't always have to have your shit together and sometimes it's picking the battles isn't it it's like yeah I could stay up an extra half an hour and clean the whole sitting room and the kitchen so that when I come down in the morning it's spotless but more often than not just shut the door just go upstairs because I know um, as soon as I get in that room Electra's going to wake I'm going to have to feed her she's going to be up during the night blah 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 Alyssa will end up coming so sometimes it's okay to shut the door like do you sometimes it's okay to shut the front door and just leave the house it'll still be there when you get back but go out on the walks do you know what I mean go and get a cup of coffee go and sit in your car and scream like do whatever you have to do in that moment to get through that moment and that's everything in a little nutshell I'll tell you a little story about um the misunderstandings so I never understood because I was one of the last ones to have babies as in my friends group and I couldn't understand why people couldn't just come out and I'd yes, be oh I would be quite like guilt trippy like hold on like you you just you've just had a baby like 
leave it with the dad come yeah. out put yourself first and I remember um when I had Freddie for the first time and I'd finally got out and went out for a drink with a couple of the girls one of my friends was like I am so happy that you are now in what we have been in and you're understanding and she said you're so much more nicer <laughs> yeah and I was like I don't know about nicer but I think I'm more understanding and kinder with it I think that's my misunderstanding of parenthood that yeah, of course, the dad can look after the baby or put it down to sleep. But sometimes mommy just needs to do it because it takes her 10 minutes instead of dad yeah. taking an hour. So for the whole good of the household, yeah. we just get it done. Yeah. Um, so that was my my big thing. I just couldn't ever understand why you couldn't just make your plans and stick with it. Yeah. My mum used to joke on and say, can you remember before kids, you could literally just leave the house? Just whatever, car keys, phone, purse, happy days. Oh, now it's like nappies, change of clothes, wipes, the whole shebang. You've got like, <laughs> yeah, I do miss those days. But then, oh, at the same time, when you do get to have a night out with the girls, isn't it just amazing? And you yeah. just, oh, it tops your cup up for well, R5 for months. I will buzz off it. Like, I'll be on that dance floor thinking, Yes, all my Christmases have came at once. My feet might be knackered. I know I'm going to have a headache in the morning. <laughs> oh, those moments where you just connect back for the girls and just have a bit of you back again, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm so lucky I get to go home to the babies and the family and so on. But actually, at this moment, I get to just be me and just have a laugh. And I want to do more of that. I've definitely noticed that, that this year in particular, um, I'm in the fortunate position that the business has really grown and thriving. So what I naturally end up doing is the kids and the business as a priority. And then I just get further and further down the list in terms of like eating healthy, working out, time with the girls. I'm definitely making a conscious choice now, especially that Electra's a bit older and she's on food and stuff she doesn't need me there all the time to to get out and take advantage of those moments and it's so funny because the kids forget pre-covid so they're like mommy you're going out I'm like it's the first time in two months I'm going out or if I go to London for an event oh mommy you're not coming out in the school run and on the one hand it's brilliant that they're so used to having me around oh my god they've forgotten about the times when I'd be pulling off the drive at half five in the morning driving up to Birmingham or mommy would be having a sleepover at work. So I'm so grateful for being around and being more present. I also think like having those moments where if you can get yourself out, even half an hour, just do you know what I mean? All the things we talked about before, just to have a little bit of you time or just lock the bathroom door. I mean, mine still somehow managed to get in. Very rare I have a bath by myself. I'm like, really? I've used my best bubble bath. The best bubble bath, like Imperial Leather Night. <laughs> so what um what would you like the children to remember about their childhood and about you in their childhood? That's gonna get me crying again. That it was fun and it was happy. And is it the Roald Dahl quote? I can't remember it exactly, but about 
like if you're going to be a parent be sparky kids want joyful parents don't they they don't want all like serious doom and gloom and sensible i hope they'll remember the times when we played hide and seek or we've jumped on the beds or we've gone to the park when they've had bear hugs at night when just those those little moments where do you know what I mean? I've cupped the, the little cheeks and looked at them and said, do you know how much mommy loves you? I love you so much. You're amazing. They probably don't even acknowledge it right now at the, the age they're at. I hope they remember and I hope they had that same feeling of love that I got from my mum. And I hope as well that when they get older, they're proud of me and the dad. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's not easy. We're often... The stuff they don't see when they're fighting, they want to lay to bedtimes, and sometimes it's like nine, half nine by the time me and Jeff sit down. And more often than not, we'll get the laptop out and we're catching up on all the things that we didn't get to do during the day because we're choosing to still not put Electra in nursery yet. She's still at home with us, so we're constantly tag teaming. So I hope they, I hope they remember the fun stuff. I hope they remember the different experiences like the Australia, who knows, I'd love to live abroad again. Um, I hope they're kind. I hope they look out for each other. They're at the stage now where they're just constantly fighting each other. <laughs> but I hope they will have that bond where they look out for each other and they put family first. Um, I just want them to be happy, Curly, do what they want to do. And we all go through our own rites of passage, don't we? I hope as parents, which is always the risk with me, I'll be honest, is that I'll have such big ambitions for them. But actually, it's what they want to do at the end of the day. I just hope that we're able to show them what's possible and all the different career routes or business routes, if they want to go into that. But ultimately, it is their life at the end of the day. So I hope they just make more right decisions than wrong and they're good people and they have a joy like they seek that joy all the time I want them to be happy kids I don't want them to be serious and miserable and stuck behind a screen all day to just be them and be happy that's what I want well that's ugh, beautiful so we have a little tradition on this podcast Ooh. which is the parent tip jar I don't know if you can hear it nice. shaking. I can hear it. <laughs> Just ever so slightly. So our beautiful parents on Instagram have put in some parent tips. And I just would like your opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then at the end, we'll get yours and we'll stick it in for somebody else. So I'm having a little rut about. Right. Oh, there's a couple stuck together. So I will peel that out. Forget about any routine for a little while. Yeah, I agree. Go with the flow. You might have intentions about what you want to do. Sometimes, do you know when people talk about um, FOMO, fear of missing out? Yeah. I think in COVID, Joe more care about the joy of missing out. I think sometimes do less, but do more of the stuff that you want to do. And yeah. Go with the flow. I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily followed that with my first kid. I remember trying to do a lot more routines there. And can you remember Gina Ford? Did you ever come across the Gina Ford book? Oh, no. hopefully it's been burnt, maybe. <laughs> I think it was Gina Ford. Yeah, bless her. 
very regimented about, and we did it with Alex, where you would wake him up at night, turn the lights on, unswaddle him. So he was awake, then he would give him a feed, then he would wrap them all back up, turn the lights off, and then hopefully he would go down for a longer stretch rather than just waiting until he woke up and then he can't, yeah. All of the stuff that, because obviously there's so many different schools of thought about how you bring your kids up and routines and all the rest of it. I think I think routine is good. And I think for a lot of people, it gives them structure. It gives them reliability. And it helps with some people's mental health. So I'm not saying ditch the routines, but I agree with that as in have it a suggestion. And you might have some non-negotiables, the stuff that you do stick to, hopefully for you. Do you know what I mean? Every other day you get out for a walk. I mean, definitely your walking group. Oh, what a godsend. I wish I'd had that. Being able to talk and walk. Like you've seen the research where hopefully I'll get this right. It's something like a walk, a 20 to 25 minute walk is the equivalent of taking antidepressants in terms of the endorphin hits that you get and how good you feel in yourself. It goes like, up if you're walking with somebody else. Oh, brilliant. That's well, brilliant. So that's an even better habit stack, isn't it? Instead of going out by yourself, grab somebody else and then you're walking, you're bonding, you're connecting. Because that's what we are as humans. Like we we need that connection. We need the community. We need the tribe. We're not meant to do it alone. Um, so yeah get a routine that works for you but be willing to change it up if it doesn't work for you and do you know what our kids won't remember any of it especially when they're babies so just do what gets you through the day babe you're doing a great job and on that note I just want to thank you for absolutely smashing it out the park and spreading your sunshine across this podcast thank you thank you thank you I've had a great time And that's it. All done. If you'd like to share your own crazy stories on parenting, please follow me on Instagram and send me your journal entries at Mama Social Co. And I promise to keep them anonymous if you want me to. Also, remember to hit follow, subscribe, share. And if you want to leave me a little review, I'd really appreciate your feedback. So that's it. Have a great day and see you soon.